I'd like to take a moment now to tell you about my favorite co-parenting app, Fair. There are other apps out there, but Fair is the only one that I recommend to my clients. We know that divorce is never easy, and when children are in the picture, it can be really tricky, especially when you're trying to communicate with your ex, and that's a challenge. Now there's an app with you and your kids in mind. It's called Fair, F-A-Y-R. Fair is the easiest, most intuitive, and conflict-diffusing co-parenting app on the market. It helps to eliminate misunderstandings while also improving communication between co-parents. Here's what the Fair app can do. It has a time-sharing calendar, documentable text messaging, an expense tracker, a GPS check-in, and by the way, no one else has that, a monthly parenting report, a private journal, a file vault, and importantly, you can export all of the records into a convenient and time and date stamped PDF when you need it for your attorney or for court. And there's a Spanish version of the app as well. So subscribe at BeFair.com, that's B-E-F-A-Y-R.com, and then download FAIR from the App Store or Google Play. You can go to FAIR.com for more details and use the discount code SUSANG18 to receive 20% off. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. In addition to figuring out how to parent solo, you're going to have to acquire different skill sets because whether you realize it or not, you know, you each have strengths and weaknesses, different things you bring to the parenting relationship. You may have to up your game in certain areas or make some adjustments or not rely on each other for certain things. So it's a big transition doing it in increments, right? While you're all in one home can be really advantageous. Hello, and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce, and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process, so listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and today, everyone, we have our favorite parenting expert back with us. Christina McGee is here. Hi, Christina. Thank you for coming on. Hi, Susan. Happy New Year. You and I haven't seen each other since uh, for, for a couple of weeks, at least, so I'm excited that we're able to talk this week about, we're going to talk about, let's dive into the topic quickly for people. Um, we're going to talk about the situation that so many people, actually, I, I just mentioned to you, for me, in my practice, it's been the majority of families where parents and children continue to live together under one roof while the divorce is unfolding, um, it, while the divorce process is still being considered. I mean, it's really... Uh, it can be a very lengthy period of time, and it's a difficult time. And as we sit here in January of 2022, it is an extremely common situation for those facing divorce. So we're going to talk about your tips for co-parenting while you're getting divorced and living under one roof, all from the perspective of putting your children at the center, not in the middle of your divorce, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. So for those of you who have not listened before or haven't had the opportunity to hear one of Christina's other fantastic episodes, which I recommend you go listen to and will be linked in the show notes. Christina is a parenting expert. She's my go-to parenting expert. Her book is Parenting Apart. Um, For those who are watching the video, you can see it on the screen. You can get it on my website. Or you can get it on her website, which is divorceandchildren.com. And um, honestly, everyone, this is the Bible. This is the go-to. Actually, it's more like an encyclopedia. This is the book that you go to when you are co-parenting under whatever circumstances, married, separated, divorced, living, you know, whatever. This is the parenting book, folks. And you just go to the first um, pages to the... Uh, the the list of contents and find whatever the issue is that you're facing and you'll go and find five to seven pages of absolute golden nuggets that are going to help you get through that. So always my number one resource recommendation for parents. Uh, my my Actually, my number one go-to resource for and recommendation is talk to Christina. Christina also works with parents both individually Or as a couple, she prefers to work with parents together, but she will work with them separately at any point in the process or not even in the process to help them co-parent better. So you can reach out to Christina on, um, on her website, through her website as well. And we'll have all that in the show notes. But let's dive in because... I've just been talking about how difficult this is and nothing that we're going to say today is going to take away from the fact that we acknowledge it's difficult to live under the same roof. But you do point out that there are two positives, like two upsides, silver linings to the situation of living together under the same roof while going through the divorce process. So let's let's talk about the good first. Yeah, well, it certainly um, advantages for sure, um, when you're residing under one roof that a lot of times, you know, co-parents just overlook because we get really invested on, we want to get out. We don't want to have to have contact with the other person on a daily basis. Things are tense. But if you, if you leverage the situation, there are some distinct advantages. And one of the biggest one is it gives your kids time to transition, right? So when you think about immediately moving into a two household situation, Kids have to deal with the loss of seeing a parent every day right away, a new parenting schedule, a new environment. You know, they may be a family home, but then there's also this new home that pops on the scene. And that's a lot of change all at once. So for kids, they get to hear the news. They have both parents available. And you can give them some time to get adjusted to this idea of time with each parent individually, mom, tat mom time, dad time, right? Um, How we work the schedule. The other thing is that the two of you have time to adjust to parenting on your own, which is big. I mean, even if you're in a situation where you feel like, well, I take care of everything anyway. (laughs) I was going to say, there are people out there going, I don't don't spend any time with the kids. I don't need them, right. It's, It's always helpful to have another, another set of hands on deck, right? For those moments, it it just is. And so you also, in addition to, you know, figuring out how to parent solo, you're going to have to acquire different skill sets because whether you realize it or not, you know, you each have strengths and weaknesses, different things you bring to the parenting relationship. 
Um, and you may have to up your game in certain areas or make some adjustments or not rely on each other for certain things. So it's a big transition doing it in increments, right? While you're all in one home can be really advantageous. The other thing is that when we talk about how timesharing arrangements are going to work, if you start moving in that direction where you are, you come up with a timesharing arrangement. So you have an opportunity to try it out with the kids. And if it's yeah. not working again, you're able to go in and make some adjustments um, and you figure out, you know, kind of what's working, what's not working, where kids really struggling, what's hard for them. And then you can adjust accordingly. Yeah. I think that's an important thing for parents to know. Very often they will spend a huge amount of time and effort through the process working on a parenting plan and then are surprised when that parenting plan doesn't exactly work or doesn't fit their family perfectly. And I, I just want to emphasize there's nothing wrong with that. That's actually, you know, being open-minded to the fact that it's going to need to mutate and change and morph because even if you work out the perfect parenting plan right from the start, your kids are going to get older, their lives are going to change. And so it's almost impossible throughout the course of your lives as, as co-parents that things aren't going to change anyway. So that can start right from day one when you think you're going to do this and you find out tomorrow that didn't work, right? Right. Well, and, and the other piece of that is like the marriage is ending, but your children's needs are going to continue. They're going to remain a constant and one of the things in parenting, whether you're married or divorced, is that your kids are going to change and grow. And, you know, that parenting plan that you spent so much time crafting could be something you need to throw out the window two weeks later because somebody got involved in an extracurricular activity or you needed to change schools or things weren't working the way you thought they would. I mean, the realities of family life are still going to exist. And as parents... You're going to have to figure out a way to address those. And when you can really focus more on how can we make this work for the kids? How can we be flexible um, and, and address some of those issues on the front end, the, the better those parenting plans are going to serve you in the long run, because you're talking about all of those. You're talking about the really meaty, important stuff. Uh, a parenting plan, as you and I have talked about before, isn't just a, a, a time-sharing arrangement. It really needs to be so much more. It's like, how are we going to continue to parent together apart? And, and I do, I know there are those people you and I just talked about. I posted something this morning about, you know, trying to manage your emotions as you go through the process so that you, it doesn't become an all out battle. And I got all the, yeah, but, um, responses. Yeah, but he's a jerk. Yeah, but she's high conflict. Yeah, but. We are not talking about living in a situation where there's danger, where there's domestic violence, where, you know, you have extremes of the, you know, we're talking about your average, and I'm going to use that because most of the time people are not happy with each other. It is a difficult time, but it is not a situation that requires the courts to separate out the households and force someone to go live somewhere else or there is a, a violent situation where there must be a division of households. Most families find themselves in this sort of limbo state of 
we're moving into a process of separating, but we're all still living together. So that is the situation we're talking about. We are not talking about those, uh, you know, out, not outlier, but those higher level conflict situations. Um, if you're not safe, if your children aren't safe, then that's a whole different. I have episodes on domestic violence, on restraining orders, on getting out of the house, getting them out of the house. Very important to know, but not what we're talking about here. So let's talk about how you can, you know, you were talking about, you used a great word and I wish I could remember it. It was, you know, if you can, I'm just going to use, elevate the situation or if you can go into the situation and maximize how you approach it um, rather than just let it happen. Because that's what I think most people do, right? They just, they have the talk, they tell their spouse they're getting a divorce, they tell the kids they're getting a divorce, and then they just like think everything's just gonna be whatever it is. One of your first tips is that you shouldn't wing it. Right, and that's across the board. Like even when you, once you are 100% crystal clear, this is the direction we're moving. And I wouldn't advise that anybody take any steps about talking to the kids, um, or moving out until you're sure, because that's really confusing situation for the children when parents are maybe yes, maybe no, maybe yes, maybe no, we're not really sure. That's a lot of anxiety for kids. So you need to make sure, right? And if you are 100% sure, then that's the time you need to create a plan before you do anything else. Um, a plan for talking to the kids. Before you can talk to the kids, you need to think about What's this transition going to look like? What is our time frame? You know, instead of being impulsive or reactive, because I think that's where the wheels can really come off is when we just, we feel it, we react, we start taking all these kind of actions without really thinking about the long-term consequences for ourselves and for our kids. Well, I want to point out to everyone, um, you have a wonderful episode on how to tell the kids that very much helps parents to plot out the conversation. So I'm going to link to that. Go listen to that. And then we also, um, my first episode of the year was with Kate Anthony, and that was how to tell your spouse that you have decided to get a divorce. Inherent in both of those episodes is that you do not just wing those conversations. You plan them out and there's a way to do that and to do it the best way possible. So this is a further extension of that, right? This is now you're going to go into the process. Don't just go into it and expect it's all going to just happen or unfold for you because this is the way it goes. You have power to talk to your co-parent and start making plans about how you would like it to unfold. So what are some of the things you should consider when making that plan? Well, you want to think through the basics, like how long will you be living in one home, right? What, and maybe you don't have a clear cut answer, but just think generally, are we talking weeks? Are we talking months? Um, what makes the most sense? You know, deciding how you're going to um, share care of the children. I would suggest if you're making that decision, once you've told the kids, move into talking about how you're going to be spending time differently. How are you going to get to that place of learning to parent solo and not depend so much on each other? Um, How are you going to minimize tensions for the sake of the kids? How are you going to handle disagreements when you're having those days where you're not, you know, you're not real jazzed about each other (laughs) or you're not seeing eye to eye? Right. Because it's not just the 
all-out conflict that really is difficult for kids, it's also all that subtle tension, right? The icy glares, the not speaking to each other, the one-word answers, the stiff body posture, all of that impacts kids. They soak it up like a sponge. They're very, kids are so intuitive and so much more aware than we give them credit for. So, you know, how are you going to, how are you going to handle that? Um, you know, that's one of those things you and I, I think have both heard probably hundreds of times from parents is our kids have no idea that this is, (laughs) we never fight in front of the kids. Our kids have no idea. Let me just say it right now. Your kids know, your kids know something, right? Trust us. And they probably know a heck of a lot more about what's going on than you think they do. And a lot of it is what exactly what you're talking about. And you can't, you know, completely control your body language or all of that. But the rolling eyes, the heavy sighs, the slamming doors, the, you know, all of that is, is something that they definitely pick up on. Yes, absolutely. And, and with kids, the not knowing creates even more anxiety because they, they pick up on all this stuff. So when they're not getting information, when parents aren't talking about what's going on, then they start making up a story on their own. They start putting the pieces together and not always accurately. So they make assumptions and that, you know, that uncertainty um, is just so hard. It's so stressful for kids. So I think once you're clear about this is the direction we're moving, the first step needs to be making a plan. And I always recommend that parents go somewhere outside of the household go to a coffee shop, go to a restaurant, someplace in public neutral territory and say, all right, regardless of how we feel about each other, what our differences are, we have one thing always in common. We love our kids and we want what's best for them. So let's use that in terms of moving this discussion forward and Let's talk about some of these things. Um, And if you get a copy of my book, you know, I have a whole chapter dedicated to how to create a schedule and a parenting agreement that works for kids. And it is literally just tons of questions for you to think through, because when you're in it, there are a lot of things that just are not on our radar. So it helps to have a guide. Uh, something to look at to kind of walk you through the questions. Um, If that's not working for you, maybe you need to find someone you can talk to. Um, Think about what needs to change and what needs to stay the same for our kids and what's that going to look like just in practical terms. Now, once you've nailed that down, then you can kind of take the next step and start planning on having a conversation with your kids which like you said, we've, we've talked about in the other episode. And it, if you're getting ready to have that conversation, I would highly recommend you go and listen to it. So you can really plan through that conversation with your kids. Yeah. And, and another episode you and I did was how to build a parenting plan that works for your kids because parenting plans aren't for parents, they're for kids. So that's another one. I'll link to that. For my divorce professionals out there, I wanted to let you know about a new training that Christina and I, in conjunction with my training academy, the Mostyn Guthrie Academy, have created. It's called the Co-Parenting Specialist Training Program. This is a certification program where all participants are going to receive a certification as a co-parenting specialist. The lead trainer and creator is Christina. 
Christina, and this training is really for family law attorneys, mediators, collaborative professionals, coaches, and really anyone out there working with divorcing and separating parents. Because the goal of this course is to train the professionals in how to help their clients, their co-parents, really put the children at the center, not the middle, of a divorce. And it really helps the professionals with that layer of understanding that they need to have in order to educate and support their clients, the parents, to help and support their children. So it's a four-day training. We have our first one coming up in February. We're repeating it again in May. So if you have any interest or want to know more about it, visit the website at mostonguthrie.com. It's under Co-Parenting Specialist Training Program. If you have any other questions, you can reach out to me at susan at mostonguthrie.com. And we hope to see you there. Stay tuned for more from my discussion with parenting expert, Christina McGee, with more critical tips for co-parenting under the same roof. What is your why for what you're doing? Like if you're staying in one home, why? Is it for financial reasons? Is it for your kids um, to give them time to transition? Regardless of how you feel about each other, chances are you're going to have some things you're going to agree on. And usually it's how can we make this easier for kids? How can we approach this in a way that is going to secure the life that they know and give them the childhood that they deserve? If you're enjoying this episode, check out We Need to Talk, How to Have the Most Difficult Conversation of Your Life with Kate Anthony. This is something that should be done with the utmost care and the utmost forethought and planning because it's kind of hard to unring that bell. You want to do it face-to-face and you want to do it at a time when things are calm. And now we return to today's show. You also mentioned something that I think is critical for parents to keep in mind because it's so easy to lose sight of is most parents, whatever the situation might be, have some things in common. One of those things you just mentioned, right? They, that they both love their children and they want what's best for them. We rarely find someone in the paradigm that is like, yeah, I couldn't care about those yeah. little rugrats at all. Now, whatever. And, and so that's one commonality. Uh, you, you say to stay focused on what you have in common. I assume that's one of the things, but what else are, we, are you thinking of? I think the other thing is to really figure out what is your why? for what you're doing. Like if you're staying in one home, why? Is it for financial reasons? You know, is it um, due to the pandemic? Is it for your kids um, to give them time to transition? You know, regardless of how you feel about each other, chances are you're gonna have some things you're gonna agree on. And usually it's how can we make this easier for kids? How can we approach this in a way that is going to secure the life that they know and give them the childhood that they deserve. You know, one thing I think of when I get here um, to this point, because many parents want what's best for their kids, but they don't agree on what's best for their kids. And a, a dynamic that can come up is one parent, say, being the one who went out and got your book, and they read something there, and they say they say to the other parent, what's best for our kids is that we do this, mm-hmm. and so you have to do this. One thing, a couple of things there. <laughs> if you're the one telling your spouse what's best for your kids, 
it's less likely they're gonna take it well. It's better if you can have a third party involved or give them the book and let them read it themselves if they're going to do that. But often this is the co a conversation where it is helpful to have a third party yeah. who has information and expertise present, someone like you or like a mediator or a parent of another professional therapist who if you're if you both agree you want what is best for your kids but you can't agree about what is best for your kids it can be helpful to have a third party help you understand what is best for children mm -hmm. um and i know that's something that you do a lot of you do you explain developmental stages for children and what they need when it comes to transitions and spending time with each parent and communication and and all of that so something to keep in mind is we're not talking necessarily about you telling your spouse or co-parent what's best for your kids and they should just do that. We're talking about perhaps having to get information from outside sources that you both trust or can you know will are willing to take advice from so that you can dive into what's best for your kids. Well, and I would also say that if you can't get access to a professional quickly right? Because some of this is like on the ground and it may take time to find the right mediator or someone like myself or a therapist. Is there someone that you both mutually trust who could play a neutral role, who could just help you guide the conversation? Because what happens is that when we're talking with each other, you know, we each have these perspectives, emotions, feelings about this, this big change in the family, about the breakup. And we may need a third person who's not emotionally invested to help us just get grounded and break out of those emotions. And it, it's hard to do. It's really, really, it's hugely challenging. But if we have somebody else who's participating in that conversation that may help you like nail down the basics until you can get in to see somebody. And I think the other yeah. piece of it is be willing to agree to disagree to be good co-parents, you do not have to do everything chapter and verse exactly alike. You don't have to be, you know, in complete 100% agreement. Uh, my guess is for most of us, we're not that way when we're married. Why would we be that way when we're exactly. divorced? You know, um, my husband, for example, there are a lot of things that we do very differently. Um, but when you're emotionally invested in that relationship, you're certainly more flexible, you're more understanding, you're more tolerant. <laughs> and yeah. and when that emotional investment isn't there anymore, oh my gosh, you know, it's a whole different ball game. So just remember the relationship may have changed, your children's needs have not, um, and you each bring strengths, things that you do really well and things you may not do so well to the relationship. I, I love that phrase, the relationship may have changed, but your children's needs have not. Um, and if you need, you know, write that at a top on the top of a piece of paper. I have a lot of um, listeners who take notes when they listen to the episode. So under bold and underline that one, people, because I think that's when we start to stray in our mind about what's best for kids, sometimes it's great to have a mantra or, or an intention yes. that can bring you back to center um, so that you swallow that inflammatory comment you want to make to your co-parent suggestion. Um, another topic or another tip that you have is, you know, a, a basic, I think, but really important because it kind of goes to that land of boundaries and the learning how to set some. You need to have some ground rules. 
as you go into this process. And a lot of times we forget that. Um, oh yeah. You know, but I think if you can have those conversations again on the front end, you're going to make things much better for your kids. So once you've set the time frame, you've kind of got a plan in place. You need to have just some general ground rules of how you're going to engage with each other, um, how you're going to communicate everyday details when tensions are high. And I would recommend, you know, start start off right away with thinking about something like a co-parenting app or agreeing that we're going to only communicate through email or we're only going to communicate through text. I really advocate for a co-parenting app because it puts everything in one place. And I know you and I are on the same page about this, Susan. Um, Instead of having to go, did I get that through a text? Did they send me a voicemail? Did they send me an email? You go to the co-parenting app. It's all in one place. You know, there's so many advantages. So again, while you're in one home, you have an opportunity to try some out, see what works um, and, and make a decision about what to use. But I think nailing down that everyday communication, especially when we're not feeling so warm and fuzzy about each other is really, really important. That co-parenting app is is really a critical factor. And I love that you're talking about using it while you're still living together. I have many intact families. In fact, my family, my blended family, my bonus family, we used it for a number of years. Um, my listeners know my favorite app is FAIR, mm-hmm. F-A-Y-R. It, they, they just make life easier. Also going through the process, there are other benefits. You know, you can, you can find out about, I'll put the link in the show notes. But a wonderful, you know, point is to, you know, again, set some boundaries around your time with your kids and how you're going to manage things in the household. Because the worst thing in the world, I think, for people is when, you know, they always say, when you assume you make an ass out of you and me, right? We've all heard it. There are people go into this divorce process and have assumptions. Like one of the parties might think, well, because I've told you we're getting a divorce, I expect everything's going to change and you're going to start stepping up and filling the dishwasher properly and taking the kids to school in the morning. Whereas the other parent thinks we're fine. We're getting a divorce, but we're going to do everything the way we always have. Right. And so, so it also comes down to communication, like setting those ground rules by communicating. Yes. Yes. And I would suggest having a written agreement. (laughs) So just nail down the basics and people like, ah, do we really need to write it down? Yes. You do. Is it legally enforceable? No. Is it something that you're going to use so you can nail the other parent? See what we know. You write it down for clarity and for accountability. So we're writing this down with this is our understanding. I have the same understanding that you do. So when we talk about, for example, you know, um, Wednesday evenings, you're going to be responsible for the kids. You're going to be the on-duty parent. Well, for me, maybe evenings are 5 p.m. Maybe for the other parent, it's 7 p.m. after I've had time to wind down. It means I take care of tuck in and bath, but I don't have to cook them supper. So you need to be specific and you need to be clear. Let's write this down. It doesn't have to be overly wordy. doesn't have to be overly formal, but here are some bullet points about how we're going to move forward. Here's how we're going to handle disagreements. You know, if tempers start to flare, one of us starts getting really overwhelmed, giving each other a timeout, maybe you have a cue word. How are you going to handle the scheduling? 
How are you going to handle the the parenting, the day-to-day stuff, um, the communication, you know, big ticket items that are clearly going to change and you can always add to it. But the benefit of writing it down is really to make it crystal clear for both of you. And we don't have this other thing. When we are really emotionally charged, memories aren't working so well. So I may have I may have agreed to something and not necessarily remember that's what I agreed to. Writing it down just helps all the way around. I, I could not agree more. And I would just say for those who are nervous about writing something down, because people as they go into divorce start to get all nervous about putting things in writing, mm-hmm. put a disclaimer at the top. We're creating these intentions to help us navigate, you know, the the next couple of months as we live in the house. We understand that, you know, these may change, but we ag- for right now, we agree to try to follow the following. And, you know, if you have to put it in in language that you both can accept, but Christina, I think is 100% correct that it's extremely helpful for everyone. And certain elements of what's in there including why you're still staying in the house. I think maybe there's a good idea to be, it's a good idea to be clear about those things with your kids as well, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. So you may be clear about the why, but you also need to let your kids know because they may be wondering, all right, so if the two of you are still living under one roof, why does anything have to change? Um, And this is especially challenging for kids when you may have a situation where you and your co-parent, you know, maybe the tension is very minimal or maybe you're both mutually in agreement that the divorce needs to happen and you want to keep things amicable. Um, And there are those situations. Well, for kids, it's like, okay, but why can't you just keep, why can't we keep just doing this? Why does anything have to change? It's really hard. So I think you need to also make that a part of your conversation with your kids, why you're staying in the same house, why you've made that choice, regardless of what it is, just be clear with your kids that this is a permanent decision um, and, and you're committed to moving things forward for now, this is what life is going to look like. And here's why. I think, you know, that, that goes back to what we've talked about in other episodes is that, you know, you don't, it's not a one and done conversation with your kids when you're going through divorce that you tell them a divorce is happening and then you just leave them out there in, you know, just to figure it out on their own, which unfortunately many parents do because it's uncomfortable to talk with your kids about these things. It's hard. And many parents take the, or have the idea that the less they say to their children, the easier it is for their kids because it's not involving them. There is a fine line to involving your children in the divorce and giving them information to help them process the divorce. Yes, absolutely. And I think the other piece of that that a lot of parents struggle with is like, well, if we're if we're in the same house, right? Do we really need to tell them yet? Like shouldn't we wait? How do you time it? And that's that's a difficult That's difficult to call sometimes, but I recommend that parents have that conversation with their kids. Once they're clear, they need to be planning to have a conversation with kids and and think that through. Timing is critical. Some of it depends on the age of your kids, you know, so with young kids, telling them as soon as you make the decision, but you're not, you know, moving out for six months might not be might not be the same as you would for a 13 year old who's very well aware of what's going on so get some support around that 
get some information, make that decision. But I do believe that you should absolutely have a conversation with your kids as soon as you're clear. So we're going to pause this episode right here, but tune in on Thursday to get more of Christina's top tips for co-parenting while living under the same roof during divorce. Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond. Thank you.